As Roger said this morning, our readings will come from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, and chapter 3, verse 14 through 15. Both of these passages are the Apostle Paul writing to Timothy. When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. And then in chapter 3, verse 14 and 15, we read, But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from you whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. We invite you to take your Bible, and if you want to put a marker there in 2 Timothy chapter 1, we'll, we'll come back to that, but I would actually like to start in Acts chapter 14 just for a moment. And as you're turning there, I will say another welcome to all of those who are here this morning. If you are visiting, we are glad that you're here. Um, it's strange to me to look and see two complete rows, uh, almost three complete rows that are absent except for the Batchelders down here, but I assume that our youth are sitting either with their mothers or with somebody's mother. Um <laughs> Well, these pews are normally occupied, and it's just kind of strange to just see John and Tracy sitting down here, but uh, we're glad for our youth, and we're glad for uh, Mother's Day, and glad for us to all be together as a church family to uh, worship God. I want to begin, actually, as I mentioned in Acts chapter 14, I want you to notice something as it begins in verse 8. Paul, the first time that he came to a place called Lystra, he began to experience some success with the gospel and with the gospel message. And you remember that he's teaching and reasoning and helping these people and, and, uh, and doing some miracles and seeing uh, people are hearing the word of God being proclaimed. But as you jump down to verse 19, still there in Lystra, the Bible says, Then the Jews from Antioch and Iconium came there, that is Lystra, and having persuaded the multitudes, they stoned Paul and they dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. However, when the disciples gathered around him, he rose up and went into the city, and then the next day he departed to Barnabas to Derbe. Verse 21 says, they preached at uh, Derbe and all, that, uh, and all those other places, and many disciples, they returned to Lystra. Same place that Paul had been stoned uh, in a few, uh, maybe a few days, few months, few weeks, we don't really know the time frame, but we find Paul going back. But I want you to think about this from the perspective of a young boy. Perhaps it was that a young boy heard about, or maybe even witnesses with his own eyes, this angry mob of Jews grabbing this man for preaching Jesus and dragging him out of the city and throwing stones at him until they perceive that he is dead. But then they're hearing the story that this man didn't remain dead, but he got back up and he walked back into the city and continued preaching. And now the man is coming back again. Think about that from the perspective of a young boy, but think of it from the perspective of his mother and his grandmother. Because it was that one time in Acts chapter 16, if you want to jump over two chapters, that you read that the next time that Paul comes back through, they have the Jerusalem meeting in Acts chapter 15, as our young people are learning in, on uh, Wednesday or Sunday nights, rather, as they learned on Wednesday and Sunday nights. And as they come back in Acts chapter 16, you note that he came to Derby and Paul comes back to a place called Lystra. And as he gets into the city of Lystra on his second visit or his third visit now from, uh, in that place, he realizes there's a young man who is a notable disciple by the name of Timothy, who is the son of a certain Jewish woman 
who believed, but his father was Greek. He was well spoken of by the brethren who were at Lystra and Iconium. And Paul wanted to have him go on with him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews that were in that region, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. We are talking about Timothy by extension this morning, but what we're really talking about is the faithful mother and grandmother. Because sometime, maybe during the time that Paul was first there in Lystra, And maybe they heard his mother and grandmother, the word of Jesus, and they believed the message about Jesus. They became Christians. But sometime later it was that Paul was able to take a young man who is now a Christian and take him along with him on his missionary journeys. We have two Bible books in our New Testament, two New Testament epistles with his name after them. Because as this young man grew and developed and he accompanied Paul, he became a preacher of the gospel. I find it very interesting that we're given a picture into his heritage here in Acts chapter 16. Particularly because of a couple of things. Number one, the Bible says that he was the son of a Jewish woman who believed. That would have made him really after the Jews. That would have made him a Jewish young man. But what you notice also that his father was a Greek. You know, the Bible, uh, the, the Old Testament prohibited the Jews from entering of those who were not of the Jewish descent. And so I can surmise from that, or we can suppose from that, that at some point his mother was maybe not a faithfully practicing Jew. There's another context clue that might give something to us about, about that verse at the end of verse 1 and the beginning of verse 3. His father being a Greek and Timothy... As a young man, he was not circumcised. The Bible says that all the Jewish males, all the young men who were born ought to be circumcised on the eighth day. That was in the law of Moses. But for whatever reason, because the mother was a Jew and because the father was Greek, Timothy had never been circumcised as a young man who would have been brought up under the faith of his mother. What's interesting to me, and what I think it's impressive for us to think about this morning, is here is a young man who later on in the scripture reading that Steve read was talking about and complimenting the faith of Timothy, a genuine faith, which we'll talk about that word in just a moment, a real faith, something that people could grab onto and say, there is a true Christian. But Paul says that didn't come just to you, but that came first to your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. At one point, maybe this woman, who was not everything that she ought to be, and wasn't really a faithful woman, believed and modeled her life after, became a disciple of Jesus Christ. And after that time, everything changed. We don't know what happened to Timothy's father. We don't know if he was dead at the time that Paul came through here in Acts chapter 16. We don't know anything other than what it just says, that he was a Greek. For whatever reason, he didn't have an influence, maybe the way that The mother and the grandmother did, certainly not the way the mother and the grandmother did. But there's something to the influence of a godly mother and grandmother. We cannot discount the role of mothers and grandmothers in the lives of children, in the lives of all people. You know, the old saying, the hand that rocks the cradle, finish it, is the hand that rules the world. What does that mean? There are very few influences in a person's life that are going to affect and shape that person's life more than the influence of their mother and their grandmother. You think about in Scripture notable people 
who had the benefit and the blessing of a mother and their influence in their life and the grandmother and their influence in their life. I think about Hannah and how it was. Hannah couldn't have children in First Samuel chapter 1. And she prayed and she prayed and she prayed. And she said, God, if you give me a son, I'll dedicate him to you. And God gave her that beautiful baby boy in Samuel. And she took him whenever he was of age. And she took him to the temple to Eli the priest and said, here, I'm going to dedicate this child to you. Isn't that the supreme challenge of parenthood in general? But motherhood especially to take a child given by God and to mold that child into one who is like God. The supreme challenge of any parent, but especially mothers and grandmothers, is to take a child that's given by God and to mold that child and shape their character into a child that is like God, godly. That's a person who has a heart for God and for the things that God wants them to do. And so for just a few moments this morning, I want you to turn back to 2 Timothy chapter 1, and I want us to notice three elements of a faith of a mother and a grandmother that need to be imitated, that can be passed down to generations, and realize this is the faith that we can characterize for all of us, but understand that the special place that God has placed in mothers and grandmothers in our lives is something that we dare not discount in our lives. Timothy's name simply means God-honoring. And wouldn't it be great if all of us as parents, but especially those who have daily interactions with our children, those who are, uh, take care of their boo-boos and, and, and give them cuddles and all those things that, that uh, mothers do and have mothers have done, if it was that the goal of everything that mother did was to make that child, like Timothy's name, God-honoring. Three characteristics this morning of a faith that endures, a legacy of faith. What's necessary for mothers to transfer, transfer their faith to the next generation? Number one, need a faith that is sincere. A faith that's sincere. Paul says, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, When I call to remember, it's the genuine faith that's within you which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. You look at that word genuine, and it's a compound Greek word. It's from two words. The first one is a, or just a. It is a negating term. All right, we talk about atheist. That means a theist, somebody that believes in God. Atheist, I don't believe in God. Here is the first word, a, which is a not. The second word is one, and see if you can hear the English word that we get our word from, hypocrites. Hypocrites. It is the word hypocrite. That word has its origin in the Greek theater. In the Greek theater, it would be often that you would see uh, a thrust stage that would have uh, the, the bleachers up in the, up or the stands or the, uh, the arena. And the people would come and they would sit down and they would see these people that would come in off of stage and they would have these huge masks on. And there wouldn't be any kind of a mouth hole or anything other than just, uh, just a natural progression, uh, projection. And the people wearing these masks would be known as hypocrites. They were under the mask. That's the meaning. So you take the ah, which is not, and the hypocrites, which is under the mask, a play actor. Somebody who is just playing a part, but that's not who they really are. That is the word genuine. And Paul says, here is this 
not play-acting faith that's in you, Timothy. But I know where it came from, Timothy. It came from the influence of your mother who at one time was most likely not faithful to her old religion, but is faithful to Christ. And it came from her mother, your grandmother, which is genuine in her also. A sincere faith, brothers and sisters, is something that's not anything but being completely genuine, unhypocritical, and without pretense or deceit. You realize you can't pass down something to somebody else that you never had to begin with? You can't give something to somebody else that you never had to begin with. It occurs to me that actors, we go and we watch movies, and we see actors with different value systems. And using this word, hypocrites, this actor, these play actors, they are just playing a part. And they're just playing something. But can you imagine somebody going home and trying to instill a value that one of those characters on the screen is trying to instill, but they never had those things to begin with? It's said that children can spot a hypocrite faster than anything else. And it is that children can point out that hypocrisy faster than anybody else. With the, the, the temptation or the, the mouth that children have, well, mom, dad, you don't do that. Why is it that you're telling me, do as I say and not as I do? You don't do that. Why is it, mom, that you might tell me to, to read my Bible when you don't do that? Why is it that you tell me you have to be at church whenever, whenever well, you don't do that? You can't pass down something that you never had yourself. But what children need more than anything else what the next generation needs more than anything else is to see a genuine, a unhypocritical faith, a faith that's sincere and genuine and solid, and there's no cracks in it. And it's something that's going to last, a real genuine faith. What does it look like? What difference a parent can make in a child's faith? What does it look like? Number two, it is a faith that's modeled. It's a faith that's modeled. Look there in your Bible, please. It's 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14. Paul talking especially to Timothy, realizing the background that this genuine faith that Lois and Eunice had, that the Timothy's grandmother and mother had, and they passed it down to Timothy. Paul says, Timothy, this is what you're responsible for as a minister of the gospel, as a preacher, as a man of God. He says, I want you to continue in the things which you've learned and have been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. A couple things about this. There is a possibility Paul could be talking about himself and saying, Timothy, I taught you these things. I helped you realize some of these things about the truth of the gospel. I helped you realize what it is that you're supposed to be doing in 1 Timothy. And I helped you realize uh, how people are going to treat you as a minister and how it is that uh, sometimes you're going to be mistreated for things that you can't deal with, uh, for things that are not your fault. And Paul gives Timothy this instruction. It could be talking about himself. You know, Silas was their traveling companion as well. It could be that Timothy had sat under the feet of Silas. And as they go from city to city and Silas begins to point out certain things about the way people behave and about truths of the gospel, about how to get in the door with the gospel to help somebody to understand the truth of Jesus, the Messiah. Could be talking about them. But he could absolutely be talking about the mother and grandmother, Lois and Eunice. We'll see that more in verse 15, that that could be more of a distinct possibility. Understand this number, or understand this principle based upon this. A faith that's modeled 
There are three things and elements in the, that I've highlighted here in the verse for us that are important for modeling a faith. Number one, you've got to learn it. You've got to learn it. What does faith look like, mom and dad? What would you say are characteristics of faith, mom? Grandma, I, I know that you attend church. What is it that shows your life as sh having faith in Jesus Christ? What is it that you do that you know are in the steps of Jesus? Romans 10, 17 ought to be right on the tip of our tongues. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. The only way we know what's acceptable to God is by studying what God has revealed to us and looking into the Bible and saying, this is what God wants me to do, and that's all that I want to do. We've got to teach that. We've got to teach that. That's the principle behind Deuteronomy 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord, the Lord your God is one. And let all, uh, the, the Lord is one. And as he talks about Moses giving the direction to the people and saying, listen, the things that I command you today, I want you to be there in their heart. I want you to teach them diligently to your children. I want you to talk about them when you walk by the way, when you sit in your house, when you lie down, when you rise up. I want them to be as frontlets between your eyes. I want to be on the doorpost of your house. God's word has to be everywhere in order for a child to live by faith, in order for a child to understand what they've learned and what's acceptable to God. There's learning involved. But the second word that you see is the transfer of convictions you've been assured of. These things are important. Remember high school trigonometry? I took high school trigonometry and I'll never forget Christy Stevens sitting in uh, the desk in front of me. And Mr. Jordan was a guy that uh, was a teacher there, and, and he loved math more than anything else. And he loved math, and as he's teaching us all these different things about trigonometry, uh, uh, sine and cosine, is that a thing? And you, you, you learn all these things. Christy Stevens just raises her hand. She goes, Mr. Jordan, when am I ever going to use this? I know she was the only student in history that's ever asked that question. When am I ever going to use this? But Mr. Jordan began to tell her, well, what happens if you're designing the Astrodome one day? Well, I guess that's not a, not a problem anymore. But you understand that Mr. Jordan began to, uh, to give her some different life scenarios, none of which I don't think Christy Stevens ever used. But you understand that there's, an, there's a practical aspect of realizing that the things I've learned are going to be valuable to me. The things I've learned are going to be useful to me. Paul says, Timothy, you learn these things. You've got the mental knowledge. But you've also been assured of these things. That is, you've got the practical knowledge. We refer you back to the first point. You can't give somebody something that you never had to begin with. And if you've never assured your children, listen, godliness profits more than anything else we do. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 8. Bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things. This is the people that we're trying to be, pleasing to God more than anything else. And our godliness as a family is going to transfer. I want you to realize this is valuable. You've been assured of. But also from whom you learn them. There's also the character of the teacher, isn't there? There's the character of the teacher. You don't think much of a person that's going to tell you what's right and then go out and do the exact opposite of those things. The unhypocritical, untarnished, sincere, genuine faith of Timothy's mother and grandmother had made such an impact on this young man 
that it was that Paul could write to him later and say, Timothy, you keep in mind the things that you learned. And you not only remember that, but you see how that was shown to you, how those convictions were transferred to you and shown to be valuable. But you also remember the character of the person who taught you to begin with. Imitate me, Paul would say to the Corinthians, as I imitate Christ. As our lives shine the light of Christ more and more, as we walk nearer to his heart, as we study more about the gospel and about how that applies to me and how that changes me from the inside out, it ought to be that as we look and realize there's a new generation to teach, that we can make that statement at some point to say, follow me. Walk in my steps. You know why? Not because I'm of any moral goodness or not because of I'm, I'm good just because, but because I'm trying to faithfully walk in the steps of Jesus. You can imitate my faith. It's not an arrogant thing. That's a humble statement of somebody who's grown to be like Jesus. Third element of a faith that transfers. It's not only a faith that's sincere. It's not only a faith that's modeled, but it's also a faith that is dedicated. In the second half of that, Paul says, you've known from childhood the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, the way that our children grow up to learn and love and serve the Lord is to instill in them from an early age the importance of things like reading God's word. The importance of things like sitting together as a family and opening up God's word and saying, we're going to read from the book of James today. And we're going to do this as a family every single day because this is what our family values. This is what's important to us. We're going to sing some songs. We're going to spend some time in family worship to God because that's what God wants of us. And that's what a faith that's modeled does. And we look at our lives and we understand that it's not just about reading God's word, but it's about studying. Young people, what do you think that, uh, that, uh, that, that Abraham had in his mind as he's walking up the hill in Genesis 22? And he's got his son there in hand and the son's got the wood on his back. What do you suppose was going through his mind? What do you think that Isaac was thinking about? Put yourselves in the character, in the shoes of the characters of the Bible and help them realize that these are not just imaginary characters. They're not just figments. They're not just somebody's narrative. But they are historical people. And they had weaknesses and frailties like us. And we show those things. It's not just about reading. It's not just about studying, but it's about committing to heart, not memorizing God's word. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Psalm 119, verse 11. How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. Psalm 119, verse 1. With, your, with my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Psalm 119, verse 2. And by taking those things and putting them in our minds and our hearts, you know what we're doing? We're putting in them an operating system. A method by which they can look at and they can say, this is a framework that's going to help me to live and to navigate life's choices and difficulties. You know, the psalmist said, I'm a stranger. I'm a pilgrim in the earth. I need your word, O oh God, because I'm a wanderer. I'm here on a temporary basis. We can't ever treat this life like we're going to be here forever. But the supreme challenge, especially when we're giving young people, when we're giving children, is beginning at home first, is to say, I'm going to take a child that's given by God and devote my time and my resources to making him 
godly. As you talk to people about the gospel, sometimes you'll encounter people out in the world, and as you visit with them, maybe at the grocery store, maybe over a cup of coffee, and you say, tell me about your background, and they begin to tell you about their lives, and then you tell them that you're with a member of the Church of Christ. You know what I find more often than not? I find that there's a lot of people that have ties to the church way back from childhood. See if this is not true. Ask somebody if they ever attended a worship service with the church. And you know what you find more often than not? Is that a lot of people will give the answer, my mother took me when I was young. Or I always went with my grandmother when I was young. She always had me going to the church. And at some point, that child turned away and said, that's not for me. But it's an understanding that the mothers and the grandmothers in those people's lives were the ones that tried to teach them and help them to understand what was right. Because it was that they were dedicated to doing the will of the Lord and striving to instill that dedication in the next generation. As we look at this and realize that from childhood, Paul says, you've known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise. We want our children to be wise about so many things, don't we? We want them to be wise about academics. We've had a number of uh, young people that have graduated just recently. We've got a number more that are going to graduate next year and the year after that and the year after that. And we don't neglect their schooling because that's important. We want them to be wise according to earthly things. We want them to be wise about their activities, don't we? about their sports and about their recreation. We want them to go to, to extra practices, and we want to make sure that they understand the plays as the coach gives them. And we want to make sure that they're wise about things like that. We want them to be wise in, in their hobbies and the way that they do things, about maybe being a fisherman and saying, all right, love, we've got to put the right, uh, right bait on the right reel, on the right lure, and, and we've got to make sure that everything's just so, so that you can catch that fish. But brothers and sisters, if we have neglected the Holy Scriptures which are able to make us wise for salvation, we've neglected it all. We've neglected it all. If you want a faith that's going to be transferred to the next generation, it has to be a faith that's genuine, that's sincere. A faith that's modeled and a faith that is dedicated. Stories told about a church outside of Kansas City where a woman knew that she was going to have a baby, and she went to the people that were pouring the sidewalk right across the street from the church building. And she went and she made a deal with the person that was pouring the concrete that he wouldn't pour the quarter piece of concrete that was right adjacent to the church building until it was that that baby was born. And just after that baby was born, the woman took the child, and on the day that they poured the concrete, she took that child and she put that child's feet in that concrete facing the church building. She wanted that child every time he walked across that street and every time he saw that imprint to realize that his feet were to be pointed towards God. As mothers, as grandmothers, as fathers, as grandfathers, whatever your station in life, and you may not even have any children, and that's all right. You know why? Because we can all have children in the faith. We can all have people that look up to us, and realize our genuine faith, a faith that's sincere, a faith that's modeled, and a faith that's dedicated, and look and realize that you are a godly example that, I, that is worthy of imitation. 
but it is that we want everybody's feet to be pointed towards God. We want everybody to get started out on the right foot. But this morning, Mother's Day. You know, Mother's Day was <laughs> created and advocated by a woman who said one of the best ways that you show honor, and she specifically mentioned this. Her name was Anna Jarvis, early 1900s. And she said, to show honor to the mother, let's make it a Sunday so people can go to church with their mothers. You know, you're here this morning, and all of us who are living have had mothers. And we've all had grandmothers, whether we knew them or not. But it is that we look up and we realize the value of a faithful person in the life of a person like Timothy, or in the life of a person 2,000 years later at the Graver Road Congregation. We're so glad that you've been here this morning. Get your songbooks out, please, and open up to the song that Roger announced just a few moments ago. Maybe it is that you've never obeyed the gospel. It is through faith, repentance, and baptism that you can become a member of the church which Christ died for, Acts 2.42, Acts 2.47. It is that you can, by repentance and by baptism, Acts 2.38, you can have your sins washed away this morning, and God will add you to the church. And it is that after that, you can live with godly examples, with the supreme example, Jesus, following after him in his footsteps and following him all the way to the best of places. Do you want that this morning? You can have it. Maybe it is that you haven't lived the way that you ought to as a Christian. And maybe it is that you need prayers and encouragement from the congregation. We'd love to do that with you. We'd love to help you and encourage you. That's why we're here. We're here to glorify God, but to lift one another up. I hope it is that whatever way that we can help you, you'll make that known as we stand and sing our invitation song.